Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Good morning. I am so excited to be with you here this morning as we continue our sermon series on the crazy things that Jesus said. But before we dive into our scripture for today, I would like to take a moment to introduce myself to you. My name is Sabina Collins, and along with my husband, Dennis, who is usually singing right here, we have been members for Concord over the last 20 years, and I have had the opportunity to serve with many on you in uh, different committees, United Methodist Women, Leadership Council, and the Finance Team. And, um, and some of you I haven't met yet, and I'm looking forward to meet you. I have an extensive background in business and I've worked in the area of program and project management. And around eight years ago, I felt led to go into full-time ministry. I know it was a really crazy thing. And uh, so I started going to classes at Asbury Theological Seminary, taking one class at a time, and I finally finished my degree requirements last December. So two weeks ago, I was commissioned at annual conference as a provisional member of the Holston Conference in pursuit of deacon's orders. And I have been appointed by the bishop to serve here at Concord on a part-time basis. And I will also be working part-time at Susanna's House, which is an organization that provides hope and healing to women who are recovering from substance misuse. So enough about me, let's go into our scripture today, which is found in Matthew 21 through 19. And some of you may already know, this is the parable of the vineyard workers. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long and doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. I've always found it a bit fascinating that in the latter part of his ministry, Jesus chose to convey spiritual teachings in a way to intentionally hide information from some of his hearers, those who didn't believe that he truly was the Messiah. These spiritual teachings were hidden stories referred to as parables and designed to convey spiritual truths to those who really were interested in learning from him. Fortunately, Jesus took time to explain to the disciples the parables he used in order for them to be able to learn and soak in the spiritual truth. Then it was up to the disciples to put the spiritual truth into practice. While a few of the parables Jesus told, along with their hidden meaning, are included in the Gospels, such as the parable of the sower found in Matthew 13, 1-23, through 23, not all of the parables are followed with a clear explanation of the associated spiritual truth, probably because the parable was pretty straightforward for Jesus' disciples to understand. However, because our culture is so different from those who lived in first century Palestine, many parables are not that straightforward for us to understand. Today's parable, that of the vineyard workers, is one of these such parables. So, over the next few minutes, we will explore this parable in order to discover the hidden spiritual tooth, much like a detective looking for clues in order to solve a mystery. And once we've discovered the spiritual truth, we will explore how it could possibly be applied in our lives today. The location of this parable within the book of Matthew is important because it follows Jesus' discourse with the rich young ruler who had approached him regarding what he needed to do in order to get, perhaps even earn, eternal life. After all, because he was rich, he probably knew how to set a goal, develop a plan, implement it, and then achieve the desired results. However, instead of receiving a plan that he could easily implement, he hears Jesus tell him that he must sell all of his possessions, give to the poor, and follow him. The rich young ruler becomes troubled at this response and walks away. After the rich young ruler leaves, Jesus turns to his disciples and declares that it is very difficult for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples are astonished at Jesus' claim and ask him, then who can be saved? Jesus responds, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Thinking about Jesus' response to the rich young ruler regarding that he needed to sell everything that he had, give to the poor, and then follow him, Peter reminds him that he and the other's disciples had left everything to follow Jesus. Peter wants to know what will ultimately be in store for them. Jesus assures Peter that he and others who follow him will inherit eternal life, but notes that many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. What did Jesus mean by this? After probably seeing the look of confusion on his disciples' faces, Jesus conveys the parable of the vineyard workers to explain what he means. 
Now, I don't know about you, but using a parable to explain a seemingly odd statement seems pretty confusing to me. Let's see if we can explore the parable from a first century Palestine perspective to better understand what Jesus is telling them. So, imagine with me for a moment that we are in a marketplace in first century Palestine. Because a typical workday starts at 6 a.m., we know landowners or perhaps their managers will arrive just before sunrise in order to find and negotiate a wage with those who are willing to work. In the center of the marketplace, we see a group of men standing with shovels and picks in their hands, talking with each other and hopeful that they will be provided with an opportunity to be hired. A landowner approaches the workers in order to see if any of them are interested in working in his vineyard. We hear him agree to pay each worker a denarius so we know that the landowner is a fair man because in the first century, a denarius was considered a standard daily wage for a 12-hour workday. The others agree and they leave the marketplace to work in the vineyard. Three hours later, around nine in the morning, we are surprised to see the landowner ride into the marketplace once again in search of more workers. He approaches those standing idle in the marketplace and hires them to work in his vineyard, offering to pay what was right. The workers and us assume that the landowner intends to pay the prorated share of the usual daily wage based on the hours that they will actually work. Much to our astonishment, we see the landowner repeat this process several times during the day as he arrives in the marketplace to hire more workers at noon, at 3 in the afternoon, even at 5 p.m., one hour before the workday is finished. Later that evening, we talked to one of the workers who had been hired at 5 and are stunned to find out that he had been paid a denarius for only one hour of work. He was overjoyed and couldn't contain his exuberance in receiving 12 times what he expected to be paid for his efforts. We celebrate with him with this good news. Not only was the landowner fair, but generous as well. We also speak to one of the workers who had been hired first, who was notably very angry because he had only received a denarius for working 12 hours in the scorching heat. He seemed to be focused on the fact that everyone was provided with equal pay for unequal work and was upset that the last group of men hired only had to work one hour in order to receive the full daily wage. We can certainly understand his complaint because he does seem to have a good point. Why should he and those who worked for the entire day receive the same amount as those who only worked for one hour? Maybe the landowner really wasn't fair after all. So, I don't know about you, but when I hear this parable, I tend to resonate with the workers that were hired first. I think that if I lived in first century Palestine and needed to work, I would arrive at the marketplace first thing in the morning in order to increase my chances that I would be hired for the day. I would have been excited to discover that there was a landowner who needed to hire workers and that he was willing to pay a denarius for the day's work. Remember, a denarius was considered a fair daily wage for the standard workday of 12 hours. 
However, after completing a day of working in the hot sun, and instead of being grateful that I was going to receive a fair wage for the day, I know that I probably would have grumbled with the others who had been hired with me when I saw that those who were hired last, and even those who were hired at other times of the day, received the same pay as me when they did not work as long as I did. After all, the common practice at this time was to provide those who were hired later in the day a prorated portion of a denarius based on the numbers that they actually worked. This practice was considered to be fair to all, and that didn't happen. I'm sure all of us can agree that we want to be treated fairly by others and that we are troubled when we believe that we have been wronged. I believe most of us can relate to those who were hired first and in a similar situation would be upset with the landowner because he provided everyone with the same wage even though they hadn't worked as long. After all, this is one of the basic principles that most of us can agree on despite some of our differences. We just want to be treated fairly, don't we? Previously, we discussed that each parable contains a hidden spiritual teaching. So, what hidden meaning have we discovered so far? That it is okay to treat people unfairly? Knowing that our God is good and that he is concerned with issues of justice, I don't believe this is the case. Perhaps, if we stop to think about it, we may realize that we tend to hear and experience this parable from a human perspective rather than from God's perspective. Remember, Jesus begins this parable with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like, as he teaches his disciples. With this introduction, they would have understood that they were getting ready to hear a story containing a spiritual teaching. As you can imagine, many scholars have analyzed this parable and have discovered clues that can help us better understand it and the hidden spiritual teaching within it. Because Jesus uses images that the disciples could relate to, they didn't need to be provided with a key. They understood what he told them. For us, though, we need to understand that the vineyard in this parable represents the kingdom of heaven. This is one of several parables Jesus used to provide his disciples with an image of what the kingdom of heaven is like since it is very different from what we may expect from our experiences and assumptions we have formed from living in our fallen world. Let's think about the landowner. Remember, he was going into the marketplace to hire workers to work in his vineyard. Also, keep in mind that the landowner traveled to the marketplace more than once. He was actively looking for workers during all hours of the day, early in the morning, around 9, at noon, at 3 in the afternoon, and even at 5 p.m., one hour before the workday was completed. In this parable, the landowner is God a God who actively pursues you and me and who doesn't give up on us no matter what our circumstances or decisions that we have made. It is also about a gracious God who is generous to everyone. In this parable, the landowner insists that he is generous and that he has the right to do so. He chooses to be generous to all of the workers and provides them with the same pay 
even if they hadn't achieved the earthly standard established to earn it. How about the workers? Have you figured out who they represent? The workers who are hired in the morning are those who accept Jesus as Lord early on in life, while workers who are hired last are those who accept Jesus as Lord later on in life. The denarius the landowner pays to everyone for their efforts in the vineyard, no matter how long or how little they work, represent the gift of salvation. The workday represents a believer's lifetime of service to the Lord, and evening equates to eternity. So, where do you see yourself in this parable? Which worker are you? Did you choose to follow Christ at a young age and have been working diligently to share the good news about Jesus, serve others in your community, and strive to grow in your faith? Or are you a young follower of Christ, excited to spread the good news of the Bible to others? Then in this parable, you are one of the workers hired first to work in the vineyard, the kingdom of God. Did you decide to be a Christian later on in life, perhaps in high school, when you were in college, after you started a career, when you got married, when you had children, or when you retired? and are excited that God can take all of your experiences, both good and bad, to accomplish kingdom work? Then you are one of the workers hired later on in the day, probably thankful that God didn't give up on you because you took longer in life to respond to him than those who chose to follow him early on in their lives. But perhaps you don't see yourself in this parable yet because you haven't made the decision to put your trust and faith in Christ the one who paid the price for all of our sins and who provides us with the opportunity for eternal life. Can you hear him? He hasn't given up on you. He continues to pursue you and invite you into his kingdom where you will be welcome with open arms. This parable is about a generous and loving God who actively pursues us through our lives, wanting us to put our trust and faith in Him. The parable teaches us that we cannot earn our salvation. Instead, it is available in equal measure and provided to all through God's amazing grace, no matter when one turns their life over to Christ, even if this is the last thing they do in their life. We know this to be true because in Luke 23, 40 through 43, we read the account of Jesus just after he was crucified, speak to one of the thieves who had been crucified near him. When the thief turns to Jesus and asks Jesus to remember him when he is in his kingdom, Jesus tells the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. This parable also serves as a warning to those of us who have been faithful servants for God. We are cautioned that we cannot think of ourselves any better than those who have not yet decided to turn their lives over to Christ. Nor are we to grumble about those who make a decision to respond to God's call later on in life. Who knows, one day we may be surprised to discover who will be with us in the kingdom of heaven. There may be those we expected to see that are not there and those that are there that we did not expect to see. 
we are reminded that God loves everyone and continually invites them to be one of his family. Hence, the last will be first and the first will be last. In closing, I want to share with you a time when I was a recipient of grace. I share this story because as followers of Christ, we are to live our lives in a way that reflects the character of Jesus in our world. Many of us have experienced the nightmare of missing a final exam only to wake up in a cold sweat with the realization that we were having a dream. However, for me, this experience was not a dream but a reality that I experienced when I was a senior in college. I was in my last semester of school and only had one exam left to take. Unfortunately for me, I got the start time and end time for the exam mixed up and discovered to my dismay that I had 15 minutes to make it to my class before it was over. Did I mention that I discovered my plight only when I saw fellow students walk up the hill towards me as they left the business school? Needless to say, I ran as fast as I could into the classroom where the exam was being held, only to discover everyone had completed the exam, left the room, and the only person there was my professor. It was obvious to me that she was getting ready to leave the room and looked puzzled to see me with my frantic look on my face. I explained that I mixed up the start time for the exam she took pity on me and extended grace to me by allowing me to take my final in her office while she graded papers. I was very thankful for the grace that she offered to me. Obviously, she didn't have to do that. Can you think of a time when you were the recipient of grace, of undeserved merit? If so, how did it make you feel? Did you grumble at the unfairness of receiving it? Or did you respond in joy, just like the workers in the vineyard who were hired at five in the evening, one hour before the workday was completed, and yet to their amazement, received the wage for the entire day? I know this is how I felt when grace was extended to me. God grants grace to all, and we who are followers of Christ are told to go and do likewise, which means that on earth, things may not always seem fair, but thankfully, God moves way beyond our ideals of fairness and provides us with his amazing grace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not give up on us, and instead, like the landowner in this parable, continually pursue us during all hours of the day and through every season of our lives, not wanting any of us to miss out on the opportunity to be provided with the gift of salvation, the gift that cannot be earned by us, but that is available to all as a result of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Help us to be mindful as we go about our daily lives that we are to extend the grace you provide to us, to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. 
We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.